0: Coming to you live from Summer League in my hotel room. Found a little mic uh, that hooks up to the cell phone. So now I am fully mobile. And it looks like the DeAndre Ayton sweepstakes are in what we call the end game now. It's like Marvel. Who's going to snap and blip everyone? Probably the Pacers. We look at some news from around the league. And I begin my dissection of, well, not really begin. I did some last Friday. Of this year's rookie and second year crop gonna be interesting, man. A lot is popping here. Sights and sounds have been titillating. Can't wait to get into it, so, my guy, Brock, go ahead and drop that motherfucking beat. Alright, I'm recording this podcast amidst the chaos of Summer League in Las Vegas. I made the mistake. I mean, I did the right thing. As a parent, and I brought my dog with me to the Aria. Was I not supposed to give out my location? By the time you listen to this, I probably won't even be there, truthfully. Security is on 10, too. Security, I locked myself out of my room, and they literally, even with my everything, ID, with they wouldn't let me inside. They wouldn't let me inside my own damn room. So uh, I tell you what I'm I don't actually give a fuck that I told you I was at the R. You can't get me. You're going to find me at the Starbucks? No chance. Uh, just got out of a nearly 2-hour interview with the logo himself, Jerry West. I told him uh All right, I'm going to do the intro uh before the pod like so we don't do it, need, need to do it now and he goes, "Intro. What do I need an intro for?" <laughs> I like, "You're right. You're right. You know what I mean? Like you're right." Uh, we'll drop that on the heat check in the next couple of weeks. It was really, really good. We also got an interview with Nick Nurse coming up soon, uh, which is awesome. So check that out when it comes out. I'm going to promote that fucking hard. Uh, but I'm going to go over some news around the league, then give you my initial impressions of the first half of Summer League itself. Uh, let's quickly get into the news DeAndre is going to be on the move, folks. It's going to be happening. The big rumors here in Vegas is that the Indiana Pacers are probably going to make a move, they're going to give them an offer sheet. People are literally asking folks, like, hey, uh, when's an offer sheet coming? Is it going to come in the next 24 hours? Is it going to come in the next 48 hours? I mean, we know the offer sheet's coming. Uh, and that should finally set in motion the end game for the big man. And the Suns would only have 48 hours to either match or work out a sign-in trade, or they'll lose him for absolutely nothing. I actually think, though, that you can't do a sign-in trade if you offer have an offer sheet. So you have to either match or you get him for nothing. So I think the CBA does not allow uh, a team that has already had a competing team offer a free, free agent sign-in trade. I think there's rules against them. Uh, I actually ran into DeAndre Ayton, low-key, looking great. Uh, he said he is uh, laying low right now, currently laying low. He's coming on the pot though, when things calm down, meaning when he's sign, seal, deliver, I'm yours. Uh, probably the nicest guy in the league. Like I've said multiple times before on this podcast, stop running my man's name through the streets like this. He is a talent, and a talent, I think, who can be one of the top three bigs in the league. And he wants to be valued and treated well, which I think is, like, paramount. When you're as good as he is, you should be treated as such, and you should be... You should be spoken of as such, and you should be paid as such. It makes sense, too, I think, uh, for everyone involved. The Pacers, they cleared their cap space by sending out Malcolm Brogdon, which was a sweat. I think uh, they were trying to get, it seemed and it appeared that the Malcolm Brogdon thing didn't work in Indy. And they ended up getting some other guards. They got Ben Matherin. Brian Windhorst reported that Pacers owner Herb, Herb Simon, despite having room under the cap, preferred sign-in trades because he doesn't like hurting other owners. He's considered one of the nicest guys among NBA owners. I actually spoke to someone who said every time Herb Simon comes into the building and watches film or chats, chats with the front office folks, he always thanks them and says how much he appreciates them. Every single time. He's a billionaire. And he takes time out to say, listen, I really appreciate y'all and the work that you're doing to make my team a success. So I do think a sign-in trade is in the works, which means that probably no offer sheet is going to happen. Probably we're going to see a sign-in trade happen. My first impression, I think that's dope. I think it's awesome spot for the Caribbean Breeze I think that's what they call him. I think this is gonna be allow him to be a focal point of the offense. Tyrese Halliburton loves to pass. That's what he loves to do. It's what he does really well. We're gonna see what 48, 46 minutes of Aiton looks like. And let me tell you this: teams are gonna be sick when they see what Ayton can do. I've seen him since he was 16 years old, and he is an absolute bucket. His footwork is insane for a guy that size. His handles are insane. He can go down low. He can get you blocks. People talk about his work ethic. I don't think so. I don't think that's correct. At the end of the day, all these talent evaluators are just dudes. You know? Just like me. They see what I see. They think what they think. They just get to pull the trigger. The only difference between me and them is they get to pull the trigger. Like, we see the same exact things. I talk to them, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know that you're that much smarter than me. not going to lie. The guy... So... (laughs) Ha <laughs> Top five centers in the game, I think. Probably top three. Uh, He can defend the rim. He can guard the perimeter. He can run in transition. He can switch everything. He can shoot from three. He's going to shoot the three a lot in Indiana if he ends up going there. He's a monster in the pick and roll. His rolling, his screen setting, his closeouts, his seals. Cannot wait to see him become the star that I knew he was when I saw him at 17. And I think that means Miles Turner probably ends up being on the move as well. Probably in a sign and trade with Phoenix also. Suns then get a big man on it expiring that won't cost them 30 million when his deal expires cuz you know they don't want to pay and Indy gets a real star player that can put up 28 10 and 4 the question is miles turner how does miles turner gel or mesh with chris paul <laughs> an inconsistent big with chris paul he grinds these boys down to dust you saw what he did to deandre jordan he does it with every big he's around. And I'm not, that's no shade to Chris Paul. I think he's one of the best in the business, but he grinds on you. He's not really a carrot guy. You know what I mean? He's a stick guy. That's okay. But he's a stick guy, and the stick gets tough. When you start getting welts on your body for 12, 24, 36 months, you're like, get me the fuck out of here. Uh, but this is the story that's dominated the summer league for probably the entirety that I've been here been bubbling up to the point where I think folks think that the deal is imminent. I spoke with a financial advisor who said that uh, they were going to be linking up with uh, DA and that he was meeting, having some team meetings. And I was like, team meetings? What is he fucking talking to Phoenix still for? And she goes, no, no, uh, prospective team meetings. And I was like, oh, that makes more sense. So stay tuned on that one. Uh, probably wouldn't be surprised if DA has a new home either today or tomorrow. Speaking of the Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon... That boy drags his feet to get his physical done, doesn't he? It took forever. Everyone got their physical done. Neesmith, Thice. there's some other people involved in the deal. with. I don't even know their names, but they all got it done too. Neesmith was supposed to play in Summer League this week. He's available tonight, but hasn't been available due to the fact that the trade can't be completed until Malcolm Brogdon gets your physical, sir. Color me skeptical. Uh, about this trade for boston i initially thought it would be perfect i did i was like man malcolm brogdon ball handler he doesn't turn the ball over he's a good floor general consummate pro decent leader but there's just something about dragging your feet on the physical there's just something about i don't know what he went through i don't know what he's doing i don't know what he could be up to that's taking so long but i i do wonder on a team full of dogs that go to work, get the job done, don't ask no questions, no matter if they're injured, how banged up they are, and how often Malcolm Brogdon seems to be banged up to the point where he can't play for whatever reason, not sure how guys like Eme and Rob Williams and Marcus Smart are going to roll with that. He might just be a guy that you play like a microwave off the bench when you need someone to have a calm demeanor in the fourth quarter of a game. If he can stay healthy, if he can integrate into the culture, meaning if he can assimilate when in Rome, when in Boston, do what the Bostonians do, all good. If he tries to do his own thing and it's counterculture, it could be a fucking problem. I mean, he had slow played the physical for like seven days. I don't know. Something just feels weird about that. We'll have to see. He is a hell of a player. Cue the word, cue the windy. Why would he do that? Let's move on. Everyone's favorite pest Patrick Beverly back in the news again after being part of the massive package that the Wolves sent out to the Utah Jazz for Rigo Bear. Uh, we all know that Patrick Beverly is a winning player, he rep the Wolves pretty much all year and literally cried tears of joy and emotion when they went, went to the playoffs. I love that emotion. Even though he got a lot of shit for the emotion, I thought that that was exactly what you want, is you brought a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in a very long time, and you got them that. You got the fans that, and now that's something to build on. That's something that you can definitely say is a moment you can remember and a moment to be proud of to the point that tears happen. He's in Utah, and how shall we say kind of concerned kind of calling out the Jazz for what seemingly feels like purgatory. Kind of doesn't seem like they're really committed to tanking, and they're certainly not committed to winning. They haven't signed a single free agent so far this year, not one. All they've done is trade two of their best three players away while the third is just suiting up in a Mets uniform, taking batting practice at Citi Field. And Donovan feels like he wants to be on the move, get me out of this place. And today it was reported that Jazz are fielding offers for him, which rumors are involved one package from Miami that potentially, probably, definitely included Tyler Hero. Um, What do I feel about this? I feel like Utah thinks that they're going, we know this about Danny Ainge. He wants to win the trade, and he did against Minnesota. Right? That's what we call against. That was an against move. You you collaborated, you partnered, but you fleeced him. That's what he wants to do. He wants to fleece you. So what? Pat Riley's not about to get fleeced. Now, not about to get fleeced. Now. So we're gonna have to see what kind of package ends up happening. Knicks don't have a ton of valuable first round picks, right? So how can you be fleeced when all of your picks? are pretty much top 19 protected. So we're going to have to see. Anyway, Pat Bev watching this for probably from the green room or first take. And let's just say he's got thoughts. He said this to his new GM Danny Ainge on his IG Live on his birthday. He's like, Utah, y'all trying to win or y'all trying to tank? Let me know. All I do is make the playoffs and all I do is win. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. He's like, are we going to take Utah all the way or is Utah going to say they don't need me and we can go somewhere else? Hey, Pat Bev. Shh, that part, that second part. It's that second part. Every team Pat Bev has been on has made the playoffs Houston, LA, Minnesota. He was somewhere else too, wasn't he? The Jazz as we know it, I think, are done. And not only do I know it, executives and owners around the league know it too. Like the dominant storyline, you're like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Where you stand? Oh, you're at the Palm? Cool. How long are you here for? Oh, till Saturday? Damn, that's a long time. Oh, what are you doing for dinner tonight? Oh, I don't know, meeting up with some other execs. Oh, cool, cool, cool. How about that fucking, what are the jazz doing? That's how that goes. Every time I've listened to it up close, and it's like that. It's also, did you see how much Portland gave Damian Lillard? What the fuck is happening there? That's the things that I'm hearing. I'm not saying those things myself. I would never say that because, as you guys know, I love Dame. I love Dame. I love the Blazers giving my loyalty and all of the things, good feel, feel good things since four years old. But that's what other people, other very prominent people, other people that if I told you their name, you would understand who they were, that's what they are saying. Also, Jalen Brunson is getting drunk through the coals. People don't understand that deal as well. So the Knicks aren't making good moves, according to these people. The uh, Wolves aren't making good moves, the Jazz aren't making good moves, and Portland's not making good moves. Four teams that, you know what, you logically look at their success and you say, you know what, that makes sense. That they would be skeptical of these deals. So, my favorite place for him to go, Pat Bev, probably Dallas. Jaden Hardy. No, Jalen Hardy, so hard to remember. It's Jaden Ivey and Jalen Hardy. Jalen Hardy is a Dallas Maverick. He's a rookie from the G League. Knight, he is a bucket. Uh, Until he can come in and actually get real reps to replace Jalen Brunson, I love Pat Bev in this role, and I think Luka will too. All right, let's move on to my summer league sights and sounds. Uh, It's literally insane here. I sat down to write this podcast. I had a dozen messages from people who were like, hey, Want to see what's up? Where what, what are you doing tonight? What's your schedule? I don't know. I don't know what my damn schedule is. I'm just trying to keep my head above water here. I'm trying to make content for y'all. I'm trying to solidify interviews for the future. I'm trying to make BetMGM happy. All these things. No, like, no complaining. There's no complaining here. But this is just what the schedule is. And your girl's not great at time management. So I got a dozen texts being like, hey, are we still on for a hit with Buffalo? No, we're not on with a hit with Buffalo. I'm in Vegas, baby! I haven't even gone to the pool yet, and I've been here fucking almost a week grinding. So let's talk about uh that sounded like a complaint. It wasn't. Um <laughs> Let's talk about Chet. Uh Chet Holmgren Gonzaga. What does he look like? What does he feel? I don't know if they feel wanna know if I feel him up or anything, but like they want to know what his vibe is. Vibe check. I saw him play yesterday. Uh, I saw him play against the Orlando Magic, who, by the way, sat Paolo Bancaro for what reason? I don't know. Not sure. Uh, that would have been an amazing matchup a lot of fans wanted to see. Josh Giddy out here, second-year player, almost made rookie of the year, made the all-rookie team. He's out there balling still. This, this man doesn't need to solidify his role in the NBA. My man Paolo Bancaro sitting on the bench. Anyway, Chet. People say he's like Katie. I don't see it. He just plays like a little bit of a different game to me. Due to the fact he's taller, his frame, like his actual torso itself, is smaller, right? Like to me, Chet's got like a 7 4 wingspan, I want to say. Let's look that up. 7 4 wingspan. Let's look. Chet wingspan. 7 6? Holy fuck! Okay, Chet's got a 7'6 wingspan, right? But I, I wanna say his chest, like the non-arm part of the wingspan, I wanna say that's maybe a foot. Like I wanna say, I want say, I wanna say it's like 14 inches wide. Not even joking. I might have, I don't even know what that's called. Is that like a chest? like the chest width? I think I have the same chest chest width as Chet. Like, serious. I'm not even joking. So his arms, his actual arm length, I mean, you're talking about his arms are probably almost as tall as me. That's fucking crazy. His arm, I, from his shoulder insertion, his armpit to the, his middle finger, is got to be almost four feet long. That's sick. Uh, so I saw him in person for the first time, and I've seen him on TV a lot. And, but it's not like having firsthand experience. Like I said about Paolo before, you see Paolo up close, and it's just jaw-dropping. Um, and let's be honest, Gonzaga's system probably didn't use him as well as they could have. He's probably going to be closer in terms of his role and how he's used as the player that we saw him in high school in terms of that role. Timmy was there in Gonzaga, and Andrew Nemhart was there in Gonzaga. And Gonzaga's like a—let me say this politely— They're not a team that's, like, necessarily turning out a ton of pros that are, like, contributing in a meaningful way. They're a college team, a nice college team, a fundamentally sound college team, and a monster that's been successful for a very long time. But they're not giving guys the rock and letting them clear out, clear out, ISO on me, let me give them some buckets. They're not allowing that shit. So... Chet is deserving of being high usage, and he will be. It'll be Giddy getting in the ball, though, too, cutting to the lane. They're a fun fucking team. Shea, Giddy, Chet, Dort, fuck, that's a squad. Fun. Couple of Canadians on there. So I think Chet could be one of the best North American players, white North American players. I don't know, it's like, oh, why do you have to make it a race thing? It's like, I don't know. There's just not that many white American guys that are balling in the league right now. So, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, John Stockton, I think he's in that group. He's one part guard, one part big, I think. Like, there's parts of his game where he can just go into... It's like he has different modes. It's like a a car that's got, like, sport mode. And it's got, like, cruise mode. Like, Chet can play a guard. He can pass and handle like he's 6'4". He can pass, he tried to just in traffic. I saw my man. In traffic, behind the back pass to someone cutting, and I was like, God damn, Chet is uh, Chet is brave. He has no chill. Then he can go into, into sport mode and just turn into like a go go gadget and turn into a block machine and block someone's shit all the way into the stance. He can do that like five, six, seven times a game. He could get if he just decided all I'm gonna do is just weak side help block. He get probably ten blocks a game. That's all. Like is that all he is? He wanted his role to be not have the ball in his hand on offense, or or like be out on the perimeter guarding guys on defense. He could just focus on that. He would be nasty. But he's better than that. He's bigger than that. He's he's more versatile than that. He has really good footwork. I think for a big guy, his handles are super impressive. Like you have to think like his. And his arms are long but his legs are really long. Like his legs are. There is a long way to go from his fingertips to the ground, boy. And and for whatever reason, he can dribble low. His handles are really smooth. He's got great control. He wants to bring the ball down the court fast like a like a cheetah or a, or an antelope or a giraffe, just fast. He's so big, but he's barreling down in total control. He wants to get his teammates involved. He wants to pass. Uh, to the open man out in transition, he can be a uh, he can he can pass at the outlet really well. He has the ability to get to his spots really well. Has, like I said, great footwork, but a great bag of tricks. Has some turnaround packages. Layup packages are a, a little bit um, fundamental, but he's impressive. He's really impressive. Of course, I'm going to be concerned and curious about how he's going to go up against guys like Embiid, guys like Giannis, but. He's going to get into the weight room and he's going to get stronger. He's going to get bigger. And you know what? Like I said, he's tough. He's not backing down from nobody. He's part, of, you know, he's for the culture. He's for the culture. He's shockingly agile as well. Lasting impression that I have from Chet in two Summer League games is that he and Josh Giddey are going to be so fun. There's like already a natural connection. You know that Josh Giddy played in Summer League just for Chet. And when you add Shea and Dorton in the mix, like, OKC is your league pass team of the year. Is he rookie of the year? I don't know. Considering his odds dropped from plus 475 on draft night to plus 360 after his first summer league game, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say he's going to shock the world. He's going to be someone to keep your eye on for that. Probably don't want to wait too much longer, though. Another player that executives are gushing about is Josh Primo. Not a household name. He's a San Antonio Spur. He, is, he was taken 12th in the draft last year, and a ton of people were like, huh? Media members were like, where did he come from? Did you guys reach? They thought that, you know, a lot of people said that they reached for him. He was the youngest player taken in the draft. I think he was 19 when, his, uh, first, when he had his first game. Lit up the summer league until he got COVID this year. He showed why even at 19. So he was 18 last year. That's fucking nuts, man. One executive told me that they would have happily, their team would have happily snatched up uh, Josh Primo. And let me just say this. This team's got plenty of guards. Like They they have plenty of guards on this squad, and they would have loved to have Josh Primo. Uh, he's a combo guard, but his, his best skill probably is his passing ability. He can get anywhere on the floor. He can get to his spots. He can run an offense. And, and you can tell that the game is very slow for him. He has a really good pace for the game, really good court awareness, and... I think that San Antonio and their three draft picks in the first round this year, plus him, they're going to be really, really interesting to watch. Uh, Moving forward, guys, that we haven't seen in a minute, and we finally get to see him, hasn't played in two fucking years, my man James Wiseman. (sighs) He's still kind of a deer in headlights a little bit. He is. But I love him. He's a, a good kid. He's gotten bigger for sure. His body looks healthy. He's put on a ton of weight in a great way. He's still a tad tentative, I think, going up to the rim, trying to draw contact. Getting rebounds is tough for him because of that. You can just tell he's not really trying to get his body hit. Uh, His three-point shot, though, looks really good. I think he could be a guy that plays on the perimeter. The problem, though, with that is he's not really needed on the perimeter, right? He's got Steph, he's got Clay, he's got Poole. He's going to have probably some other folks out there that are going to shoot. I mean, he's got uh, Dante DiVincenzo now on his team. But he's still young. He does not look particularly brave in order to get his body in the mix. Uh, So rebounds are—he had two rebounds in his summer league game. When you're seven feet tall and you get two rebounds in a fucking game, we got some stuff to talk about. Um— A lot of chatter about LaMelo. Everybody talks about LaMelo when they talk about Wiseman because that was the player that the the Warriors uh, selected over LaMelo. And we're going to find out in due time who was the better pick. It feels like LaMelo right now, but a lot of this is need versus talent. So uh, they got what they wanted in the summer league. Uh, They got got what they wanted in the draft, and now we're just going to have to see how his development progresses. Good thing he's on one of the best development teams in the league. All right, guys, I have to hit the rest of Summer League. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on Jalen Hardy, Ben Matherin, Keegan Murray. By the way, Jalen Hardy, you're going to see him today. Uh, a lot of excitement about him. People are saying he's a sleeper of this draft, G League night guy. Uh, he ends up going to Dallas. Ben Matherin uh, in Indy. Keegan Murray, who was taken over um, Jaden Ivey. And some of the others that I haven't discussed yet. Jaden Ivey looked pretty good, a little out of control. I think I said that before. Um, he actually... I want to say hurt his back, and is out for the rest of Summer League. So I can't see any more of him. Um, but we will discuss more on Friday. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back from Vegas on Friday with a new episode to recap more of what's popping. So follow us as we get you ready for the summer and the coming of training camp. Do not forget to download, subscribe, please tell your friends. And follow us on social at, at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok.